Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of SARS-CoV-2 and how it relates to you. Like many businesses operating in this COVID-19 pandemic, owners of businesses have had to remain open and re-engineer how they deliver their services. With the social distancing laws and other restrictions in place, a lot of businesses have moved to being on an online platform. Schools have been closed or parents are choosing to keep their children at home, but they need to keep them engaged in other therapies too, such as speech pathology. But this can be a real challenge, especially when you've got young children who are going through speech pathology lessons to correct any speech issues that may be coming up. So today I'd like to welcome my guest, Alison Evenden, child speech pathologist. Alison, welcome to the show. Thanks, Amy. Thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. So when you first heard about the restrictions and you were waiting to hear about how your industry would be impacted by it, what went through your mind? Well, I think like many people, it was a real roller coaster of emotions at the beginning. I think initially there's that fear that you're actually living in a pandemic, um, a, a situation that you don't ever imagine that you'd find yourself in. Um, and then I think after that, primarily my thought was about safeguarding my clients. So um, coming up with ways to better protect them and myself to make sure that we were safe um, and preventing contamination and mm. um, so that became a real focus and there was a lot of time and money and energy going into making sure I had appropriate personal protective equipment, mm. enough sterilising and cleansing products mm. um, and then of course there was the whole process of making sure everything was clean between clients as well so yeah. there was a lot of time in between sessions where toys and resources were having to be sterilised Mm. and clean before the next client, which is a common practice we use, obviously, anyway in speech therapy. But I think um, the anxiety of, you know, the yeah. potential threat that this COVID had was um, making it a little more stressful in, mm. in, in terms of cleaning. Um, and then, of course, we, we were then concerned about the restrictions um, impacting on the business. Yeah, so sure. I guess my feelings went to panic at that point about yeah. how I was going to actually run my business successfully mm. when all these restrictions and social distancing was being implemented. Because you're, the way you operate, you're usually sitting next to a child side by side and, and looking at directly into their face and how their mouths are moving. Absolutely. And, yeah. Yeah. And, and you do need to touch their face at times. Yeah. So, I mean, as a speech therapist, a lot of... The work I do with young children is working on their speech muscles and their speech motor planning and a lot of my therapy involves touching their face. There's also a lot of saliva obviously mm. involved. So, yeah, it's in terms of, um, you know... I'm assuming theirs. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But, in, in, you know, in terms of... Um, I had you know, a moment of you going, no, you've said that wrong and then you spat on them. <laughs> no, no. no, definitely their saliva. And, um, you know, and being able to, you know, I guess you protect yourselves from potential contamination. It's hard to do when you're working with young kids as well. And not to mention they're snotty and they're yeah, dribbly and yeah. there's, there's, you know, there's a lot, of, um, a lot of factors there that can potentially be dangerous in, in a, a situation like COVID. Yeah. And, I mean, the, one of the blessings, if you can call it that, of the virus that we're seeing so far anyway is that it, it, it's not really impacting children in the same way, say, as an influenza outbreak. So really the risk would be more from them transmitting it to you rather than that mm. way around. But at the time we didn't know that. No. 
And so eventually, did parents pull out of services or did they decide um, they will reschedule or were they showing concerns about how you were going to operate? Mm. Wanting, like, Did they ring you and say, how are you managing? Mm. Well, actually, I think um, it had been playing on my mind as to how I was going to move forward with my business. Um, given, you know, that now schools were restricting external providers from coming in to the schools to mm. work with the children. So I was already thinking ahead about how, you know, I was going to still access, you know, allow these children to access my service. Um, but the real, really the game changer was when I started to get notifi- notification from schools saying that I had been, like all the other health professionals, suspended from coming and doing um, sessions on the school grounds and in the preschools. Yeah. So, so then I really was left with a decision about how uh, I could best service these children for their sessions and that's when I decided to move my entire caseload onto, heli- onto telehealth. Yeah, so just follow the doctors or like the that's same right. way the doctors Absolutely. moved. Yeah. yeah. Now that must present some challenges. Um, just give me an idea of the age range of the children that you work with. So currently on my caseload, I have kids ranging from two to 14 wow. years of age. Um, so you, you can imagine just within that range of, of ages as well, there's different challenges that come up. Mm. Um, engaging the young children, the particularly young children, like the two-year-olds, can become very challenging mm. over, uh, over on, online. So I'm doing a lot of pantomime. I have a lot of puppets oh, that join great. me in my sessions. Yeah. So I've become very good. Yes, I'm a very good actress now. Um, I'm <laughs> discovering skills that I didn't realise I possessed yes. um, to help you know, really engage those children and keep them on for um, you know, a period of time. I've, I've reduced the length of some of my sessions to yeah. ensure that the time is, is limited so the children are quite aware that there's, it's not going to go on for maybe the 45 minutes that mm. it usually does. And that has helped a lot. Um, a lot of my therapy online now is doing lots of parent education. So mm. when it isn't possible to work with the child directly, mm. I will um, work with the parent and yep. um, and sort of educate them and give them some strategies that they can use yeah. moving forward. Right. So also giving them a bit of homework then for the parents. Yeah. 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 To, to keep them. In. I know that um, uh, I've been fortunate to have you work with my daughter, um, who had an S lisp, and uh, it takes a lot of patience to keep the child motivated and talking and focused. Yes. And you were sitting side by side because this was last year. Yes. Uh, so, what apart from the puppets? Yeah. Um, when you get into like that six-year-old space, six, seven-year-old, mm. where they can focus for a little bit longer. Yeah. Um, have there been any other strategies that you've used? Yeah, look, I mean, there, there are so many resources out there that are accessible on, online and that can be implemented into our therapy. So I've been using a lot of, you know, even just online guess who games and where's mm. Wally pictures, mm. doing a lot of barrier tasks where um, I can see something and they can see something, but we can't see each other's. So we have to give each other descriptions and mm. guessing what, you know, what the other person's seeing. So really building on their ability to express themselves. So using a lot of language tasks um, that is requiring them to be a little little bit more specific than maybe they would be if we were sitting side by side in a session. And while they're doing that, Mm. so while you've got the puppet show going and you've been the actress and you're doing where's all the activities, you're watching their face muscles and their mouth 
and how they're talking at the same time. Absolutely. So yes. you're multitasking both of those at the same time as keeping them engaged. Yeah, which isn't which is no different to what I would be doing face to face anyway. Obviously on a on a computer screen it's a little bit more challenging yeah. and, and you know with different frequencies of sounds that we're looking for that can be lost over the screen as well. Mm. Um, so yes it certainly does pose more mm. more complicated um, it's a more complicated process over online, mm. but certainly one that, um, you know, if you have experience and you've got a good professional body that's guiding you and giving you some strategies uh, and ideas to assist you, then you, know, you can do it. And, and I've actually been really, really proud of being able to provide a similar service to, to what I would be able to do face-to-face. So yeah, yeah. It's working really well. And so with those... Um knowing that we're probably not going to get a vaccine back for about 18 months or so, or maybe a year now because we've been talking about 18 months for a while, will you continue to do online or do you think schools will be more open to having you coming in seeing as they're opening up quite shortly? Mm. Will you be going back into schools or do you think you'll stay going online uh, just or is there a... Um, a governing body of speech pathology that you have to follow the rules and they set that for you? Mm. Well, I think for, certainly from the beginning it's been considered if you're if it was very essential to maintain face-to-face sessions with clients, then we could absolutely do that provided we're following all the appropriate measures mm-hmm. um, to protect them and ourselves. Um, they did encourage that if it was a service that could be provided online that we would mm-hmm. opt for that version so I, I chose to do that with all of my, my clients. Going forward, schools have actually been starting to let allied health professionals and mm-hmm. external providers back into the school slowly. So I imagine over the next couple of weeks, I'll be notified that I am able to go back into the schools to work with yeah. the children. There will be obviously measures put in place. There'll be a lot of documentation that will need to be yeah. signed um, and they will need to have a, a very strict... Um, a protocol of what I can and can't do in my sessions. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there are parents that are actually really enjoying the online um, yeah. service. Yeah, so you might have opened up a parent box. Yeah, yeah. you know yeah. what, and, and that's fine. You know, certainly the older children, the kids who are in high school that are very tech savvy, they've really enjoyed the online um, service and it's been working really well. So I certainly think that this is something that I can keep. Um, as an option for my clients yeah um, it's all obviously very convenient for me and my young family yeah I was about to say because now you don't because you're a mobile service That's right. so now you don't have to travel to people yes um, especially for those older children yes um, you can basically just chat to them online so that that would be convenient yeah uh, knowing that you do have two little ones that's right and I think too being a mobile service it's been me that's been traveling into the preschools and into the mm. schools and into people's homes and I think, you know, if I can minimise the amount of travelling around I do into these different yeah. locations, then that's got to be a good thing, right? Well, that's going to minimise the risk if, if there is any asymptomatic shedders of the virus. Yes. You're yeah. more at risk there than anybody else because you're visiting family clusters who, if they're clustered together, they're clustered together, Absolutely. but you're entering yeah. their home mm-hmm. um, and potentially picking something up and then, and then travelling out. Yeah. So yeah. online seems like a... a a good idea um, taking schools and, and preschools out of the picture yes. but just those, those yeah. one-on-one sessions in, in clients' homes. So knowing that you've got these uh, 
online sessions that you're using and no doubt that would be taxing on your own patients. Yes. How do you maintain the patience with your children later uh, on? Well, I think, I think really the key is that um, my clients use up all my patients. So <laughs> when it comes to my own children, I have very little. Um, but look, you know what, I, I, I think the bottom line is I, I do love my job. And, um, you know, it's, it's great to work with these kids. It's a very re rewarding job. Uh, but, you know, equally it also has its challenges. So it's, it's about really, I think, keeping the kids engaged and uh, working on things or working with, with resources and toys and, and um, topics that they're interested in so they are more willing to, to work with me. Yeah. And, you know, just keeping them on side and having a good rapport, I think, like any service, if you've got a good rapport and, and established a good relationship with both the client and the parents, then, you know, that's really important for, for the sessions. And, and it and must be quite rewarding when someone has come with a, a significant speech issue. Give, give me an example of a, um, like a really specific, uh, challenging mm. speech issue for a child yeah. um, that you've then seen through to recovery. Well, I think probably one of my proudest moments in all my career is working with a, a young boy who was born with a cleft palate. Mm. Um, he had significant craniofacial anomalies. So, mm. you know, he, his fake, his, he obviously had a cleft in his mouth, but then he had issues with his, with his jaw and his ears setting and his mm. eyes. Um, and he was very unclear. He's, when I started working with him, he had very little language. He was very difficult to understand. But we worked intensively with him several sessions a week mm. over several years working on first of all getting him to use words and sentences and then more recently refining his pronunciations of sounds mm. um, and this little boy we worked together to write a speech to um, be put up for school captain of wow. the local public school and uh, to his credit he came away with the with the leadership, so That's amazing. an incredible, an incredible journey for that boy, and he's now gone off to high school, and he's absolutely thriving. Yeah. So because there would be, and we'll probably talk about this later in a different series, but there would be an emotional side of speech issues for children as they grow up. So you know, if children have a lisp, they don't want to be teased, that kind of thing. So. Definitely. That must be like a rewarding yeah. feeling just to know that you, you've successfully prevented that. Yeah, and I think really just to be out for that, for that boy in particular, to be able to reach such an incredible achievement or, you know, um, to, to get that leadership and then be able to stand on stage and, and talk. And he, and he says to me, you know, in year one and year two, I'd never imagined that it would have been me on that mm. stage. So, you know, every speech and language issue can impact later on, mm -hmm. um, either on, you know, their self-esteem, self their confidence. Uh, we know that children that have speech and language issues early on are more at risk of having issues with developing literacy skills. Right. So these are big issues that can have big impacts on children all the way through their life, not just childhood, not just adolescence, but, you know, as adults in the workplace as well. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's really important that we get onto these issues early. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, particularly at a time like this when it is more difficult to see children face-to-face, -face, it's been really important for me to be able to continue my service 
over telehealth. So yeah. the kids are getting the intervention they need at a time that they need it. So there was, when I took my, she was five, I think, to her school to start school the next year, um, they mentioned to me that she had an S-lisp and I had not noticed it. I had no idea that that's what she had. Um, and so I sent you a video and you were able to diagnose that over the video. How? <laughs> well, a lot of training, a yeah. lot of experience. But, you know, there's certainly, you know, clues that we look for in a child's speech. We know okay. that children develop particular speech sounds at different ages and, right. um, you know, you can tell from listening to a child and, and saying a range of sounds, either in words or sentences in conversation, you can mm -hmm. pick up whether or not they actually have those sounds in their speech repertoire. Mm -hmm. um, and if they don't, we can hear what they're substituting that sound with. So it's a combination of, you know, having a trained ear and, and yeah. experience, but also being able to, to see um, in a video, you know, yeah. exactly what they're doing. Parents are also very good um, at being able to explain or, you know, to tell a therapist whether what they're hearing is accurate for the child, whether that's their mm -hmm. typical speech. So yeah. that's, it's really important to get lots of information from the parents because at the end of the day, they're the, they're the expert in their child. Yeah, yeah. Um, however, parents are also very good at decoding the yes. child's speech. So yes. it's certainly not, it's not uncommon that, you know, children will come to a speech pathologist and be told they have a number of issues with particular speech sounds and the parent has never picked it up. Because you learn your own child's language. I know there was yeah. a, a video I saw of my daughter when she, I think she was about two and it was the first day that she learned how to open a door, which was, I think I said, oh, no. Um, but she was, oh, no, what are going to do? And when I listened back, it was my little doll is in the other room, what are we going to oh. do? But I, I knew that that's what she was saying. Yes. Yeah. And then to there someone was else, maybe never. And then I was it. looking back at this other video that I, you know, just being nostalgic, and she was going at the work, at the work, and I don't know why I was videoing it. And then I said, um, "It's Dada. He's at work." And she goes, "Oh no!" And then there was another one in the same video. I said, um, "So where's Dada?" And um, she just looked at me and she goes, uh, I think her first three-word sentence was, um, I don't know, where's Dada? Like it was really clear. <laughs> yeah, and I was clear. like, wow. Yeah. And, and otherwise the children learn language. Every morning I used to do these, when she was a baby, you know, clap hands and I would clap in front of her. And then one day I didn't clap and I said, clap hands, and she did it. I was like, oh, wow, you yeah, can understand Absolutely. Me. And from a very young age, yeah. I think it's, it always surprises me seeing children with typically developing language, just really how quickly they pick up language and being able to follow instructions and, and have huge vocabularies. Um, yeah. So they're like little sponges when they're little. Little, yeah. Was there a time when, um, I think Scott Morrison was talking about this was going to be a, a six-month road in, road out, if that, and 18 months for the vaccine that you thought about any of your patients and thought, hmm, how am I going to, there might be some lasting issues if we don't continue therapy for six months or in most of your therapies can things be put on pause mm. for a period of time? Well, I, I think, I mean, in 
certainly with a lot of interventions, the earlier the better. So, mm. you know, it is always a concern if there does have to be a period of time where a therapist has to pause sessions for whatever reason. Mm. Um, so it is a worry for some children who have perhaps more profound or significant issues. Mm. I guess for more of the the typical speech and language issues that um, we deal with on, ca- on our caseloads, having a break is, is not necessarily the worst thing. In fact, yeah. having a break from therapy, if you've been having it for a per- period of time, can actually be quite therapeutic. Yeah. Um, and, you know, let's not forget that the children are, are home at the moment. They've been home with their families for a couple of months. So they're in a in an environment where there's a lot more language. Everybody's home. So in actual yeah. fact, there's yeah. a lot more people talking. Parents actually have a lot more time to... well. You know, in some respects, they have mm. more time, you know, on weekends or of an afternoon when they're, you know, usually they're racing around doing afternoon mm. drop-offs of sport and dancing, and but they're actually around and I've found that a lot of my clients are utilising that time to, to work on their children's goals for their speech and language therapy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and also, it doesn't have to be face-to-face. As we've talked about, My all my services now are telehealth. I've had to provide... Um, home and uh, home programs for some children as well and they're busily working on that over the couple of months before I can see them again face to face so there are a lot of options uh, if you aren't able to do the face to face yeah that's great and you developed those just thought right I've got to get onto this and and came up with programs yourself yeah well home programs are are usually part of our speech pathology practices anyway for children who maybe we're not seeing weekly or um, we want an adjunct to the work that we're doing in our sessions, we'll set up as either a school or a home program. So certainly home programs are, are, are very much a part of our service provision. Mm-hmm. But I guess in times like this, there's more people requiring them. So, yeah. you know, ordinarily I wouldn't make a home program necessarily for a parent, for a child that I saw weekly, but I guess now for those children I might be um, supplementing yeah. some work in a home program yeah I do know that we've had to put turtle time or turtle talk mm. on pause yes um yes. so for those who don't you can explain that if you like yes um so so that's a that's a strategy I use with the kids when I am trying to get them to focus a little bit more on their pronunciations of sounds and encouraging them to slow down their speech mm. when you've got a particularly fast talker who's not sort of giving themselves an opportunity to get their tongue in the right position I'll encourage them to to slow down their speech and, and that's I guess a little catchphrase that we've developed for some of the kids to to remind them to slow down when they're talking in conversation. Yeah. And I've had I've been reading stories with um with my daughter with lots of twizzles and swizzles and to get the S lisp and um there are times where she just says to me, just don't correct me this time and I say, Okay, I'm just that's, gonna leave it yeah, to yeah. Alison later. It's a, that's a very familiar uh, phrase. Um, mm. There's a lot of people that will say, well, you're, you're not Alison or you're not my therapist and this is not a session. Mm. Kids, I think parents find it very hard to be mum and therapist. Yes, um, yes. So it doesn't surprise me that there is a little bit of pushback when parents are trying to implement the, the strategies. And, and that's okay and, and I understand that and, and therapists understand that. So it's, it's about giving the parents some, I guess, some devious strategies to try and encourage those speech sounds without it looking I guess like a session or an actual uh, speech task yeah Um, yeah but you know sort of weaving it into everyday conversation or or book time like you mentioned story time's a fabulous time to work on speech and language goals without the children actually realizing that's what they're doing yeah yeah Yeah. it's like vegetables you've got to kind of hide it in there exactly exactly yeah 
That's been great. Thank you so much for taking time to talk to me today. That's my pleasure. And Thank you hopefully for me. you'll be able to catch up again soon and, and talk more about um, what the speech goals are for children as they grow up because I think that's a really interesting topic because, I, like I said, I had no idea. Uh, and the school told me twice that it was quite pronounced. I was yeah. like, wow, I had no idea. Probably because she was speaking speaking so fast yes, yes and and so well I think too you know when a child's got good language skills often they're um you, you kind of gloss over the fact that they might be making speech errors because yeah, they're, they're cause talking so sentences chatty. Yes. yeah that you just yeah. kind of want to go shh <laughs> <laughs> I know that feeling um so it's oh. good it's kind of good to know that um after the sessions and you've got your own two little kids yes. um how old's the youngest one? So I've got two. I've got a six-year-old and a two, nearly three-year-old. Yeah. So this must have been a very frustrating time for you. It's when you've... been hard. It's been yeah. hard. <laughs> <laughs> Working from home out of the bedroom with my husband live streaming school lessons from the other room. He's a teacher. And trying to contain two children in a two-bedroom flat ha- has had its challenges. To Absolutely. Say yeah. Once you could, Yeah. At least you can go out for a walk now and, and yeah. soon school will be starting again so you can reclaim some of your time. Yeah. But you must have had moments of... Mm, yes, I know I there's, have. Cer- there's certainly a, a feeling of relief now that these restrictions are being loosened a little bit. We can get the kids actually running around and letting off some of that steam. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, look, it's it's certainly been a challenge. There's some been, really, there's been some really good bits about it as well, you know, mm. having that time with the kids and... and and seeing their relationship between the, the two mm. kids develop over this time has been awesome. But, um, yeah, I think a mixture of homeschooling, running a business and trying to keep sane, it, it's been, yeah. It's been hard. <laughs> it's been yeah, hard. Yeah, yeah, it's good. I asked that question because when I was working from home and having my daughter um, working from home uh, or homeschooling and, and being kindergarten, she just started and um, I'd be teleconferencing and just like that famous video of someone yes. you know doing a news report yes. and the kids sort of I said well, I've just given up on that now she just comes in and and says hi to everybody that she doesn't know and I introduce them they're like the Brady Bunch on a tv yeah, screen yeah. and I just introduce them to all and she goes and which one's your boss you go that one's my <laughs> boss there and she goes be nice to Amy then oh, that's very <laughs> funny and look I think out of all of this I have found comfort in knowing that, you know what, I'm feeling like this, but so is everybody else. So is everybody else, And, 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 you know, even amongst colleagues and and friends chatting about this, you know, the the fails and the successes of Zoom conferences and Zoom meetings is Mm. is making me feel very human and and very normal. Yeah. Well, thanks again for joining us today. My pleasure, Amy. And hopefully we'll talk again soon. Love to. Thanks so much. Thank you. Bye. Bye.